All right, we are getting ready for UConn Xavier. Always a, a fun Big East matchup here. And join me today, we got Adam Baum, now of the uh, Sean Miller podcast. So, uh, Adam, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me back. You know, when I left the Enquirer, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to get this invitation anymore. But so I'm glad that it happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now now we got the uh, the Sean Miller cachet attached to your name there. So uh, who who better to talk right. about this team? Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess I still carry a little bit of weight in the podcast community now. <laughs> well, now that you're a fellow podcaster, you know that you know you know how this whole thing works. So, um, so let's start a little bit. I know we were talking a little bit before we went on air. You know, heading into the season, Xavier loses a, a couple of their bigger pieces. Obviously, expectations then have to change around you know what you're looking to see from this team this year how do you say the Xavier team has performed to this point in the season you know given the changed expectations they had to deal with I think there there's been some positives Uh, I think you know you look at the way they competed against Purdue and Houston and that albeit two losses but I thought that they they looked tough they looked like okay this is the level that we're going to get from this team when they play strong competition maybe they can do some things maybe they can beat some teams that they aren't supposed to beat well on the other side of that there's like then you look at the losses to oakland and the loss to delaware and it's like they've been very hit or miss and and i think when when zach Fremantle and jerome hunter went down and you lose those two guys for the season they kind of had to go in scramble mode in a lot of ways it was like they, they went overseas they added three international guys you're trying to you essentially you lose your starting four man and your starting five man in the summertime. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? Well, I think what you've seen from Xavier kind of lines up with that in that you now have a roster with 10 new guys. The only guy back from your sweet 16 team last year is Desmond Claude, who averaged four, four points a game. Um, You have three international guys, six true freshmen, and you're just trying to piece this together right now. Now, do I think that they've gotten better from November to right now? Yes. But I think there are still some glaring deficiencies that Xavier has that I just don't know if they're going to work their way out of this year. So to, to talk about you know both of those points there, when Xavier has pulled off some of their better wins, you know Cincinnati, Seton Hall, what have they done well in those games? And then on, on the flip side, when they've had those losses, like you mentioned, to, to Oakland or Delaware, where, where have things maybe gone off the rails a little bit? Yeah, I think in some of their losses, they've had a tendency to get sloppy with the basketball. I think in those two by-game losses at home, I think they had 17 or 18 turnovers in that in those games. Um, and when they take care of the ball, I think they give themselves chances to score. And, and when they don't, I think you're giving the opponent more opportunities to score. So that's really hurt them. Another thing is like their most recent game at Villanova. I think you can very clearly, yeah, they didn't shoot it great. And it's hard when Desmond Claude and Quincy Oliveri, your two best offensive players combined to go eight for 30 from the field. It's going to be hard to win on the road in the big East, but I thought, you could very clearly point to the offensive rebounding at UConn or I'm sorry, Villanova just killed them on the glass and created second chance opportunities. And a lot of those offensive rebounds, they they led to three pointers, which are just so backbreaking, as you know, and to lose a game by one point to have a shot at the buzzer to win it. You go back and you look and it's like, I think Villanova ended with, uh, with 11 or 14 second chance points in that game, which is just, 
So it's it's really it's kind of been the rebounding. Now on the on the other side, I think when Xavier plays well, I mentioned they take care of the ball. They have shown that they can battle on the glass and really take care of business on the boards. But this is a team that ultimately lacks scoring. They're not overly offensively talented, um, but there have been games, namely Cincinnati and Seton Hall and St. Mary's for that matter, where they they sort of get on the same page offensively and, and they see some shots go down and it's almost a contagious thing. But that has been very few or far between for them. It's hard to rely or know, hey, when are they going to have a good offensive night? So they've been a little hard to predict um, through, I think, what, 14 games this season. So when, when you look at the, this UConn matchup, what kinds of sticks out to you between these two teams here? I mean, you mentioned the rebounding issues, and we saw UConn fully take advantage this past weekend of the of a Butler team that has similar uh, rebounding issues. How, how do you see, is that one factor you see in this game, or what else are you looking for in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it may be the, the single biggest factor in this game. Just to give you a and your listeners a little taste of how Xavier started their preparation for UConn. Their very first practice, um, they did something that they've ne- I've never seen them do, which is they they literally started practice with rebounding drills. Um, so I think they they know what's coming. They know how UConn is on attacking that offensive glass, and that's going to be a very clear cut determining factor in this game. In my mind, is. If Xavier does not block out, if they let UConn generate a ton of second chance opportunities, I, not only does Xavier not have a chance in this game, but I think that it it has like real potential to get out of hand, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because it's just like Xavier is that they're a good defensive team if you look at their metrics and their numbers, but when you give up a ton of second chance opportunities, it, that number doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are defensively. Like when you have to sit there and you have to defend multiple possessions on one trip down the floor, it's going to be very hard to survive that. So that's my that's my biggest thing in this game. And then there's some individual matchups that I think are a little bit concerning um, from Xavier's perspective is that Xavier has a glaring hole at, at the forward spot. Their number four spot. They've tried Gitas Namiksha, who's uh, who's an international transfer. They've tried Lazar Djokovic, who's an international freshman, um, and they just have not found much production there. I think that that that's just it's going to be a hole in every single game Xavier plays this year is how they match up at that four spot. So the, the, those are kind of the big things that I'm looking at in this game. And then beyond that, it's like UConn is experienced. They're older. They won a national championship last year. And Xavier, I think someone gave me a stat earlier that Xavier leads the Big East by a far margin in terms of freshman minutes played. They they use a that it's kind of ridiculous that that they're this reliant on freshmen, but that it is what it is at this point. I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's Meats. This fourth-generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosal's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. 
For more information, visit martinrosalsinc.com and go support a UConn fan-owned business. And now, back to the interview. When you look at these two teams, I mean, they've obviously have played a, a ton of great games in the past against each other. And, you know, just mentioning them, you know, kind of being experienced in, in from last year's, I just got to ask you from you haven't been at that game last year. I feel like that was one of the games that turned the season around for UConn. They had been in that bit of a swoon in January. Xavier comes and like runs them off the court for you know what the first half basically and then UConn yeah. storms back they don't win but still are able to uh to kind of right the ship a little bit and have a chance to win that game I think they had the lead at some point in this in the second half what was it like from, from your perspective being at, at that game and getting to see a place like that on the road because I think that was one of the loudest I've heard Gamble in a while yeah I loved that game and for a lot of reasons I loved it because I think it showed in a lot of ways the the type of competitive spirit that UConn had. Like you mentioned, they lost that game, but there was zero quit in that team. And the, I think the fans appreciated that. It was probably one of the best environments I got to experience all year. And to your larger point in that, I think that both times Xavier and UConn played last year, I think UConn responded to those performances the right way. I think that a lot of times there's this tendency with teams like it, this speaks to the level of coaching, the level of competition at UConn is that a game doesn't go your way. Like you want to learn from wins, but the great teams, they take what happened in losses and they use it as fuel. They use it to get back on the right track. And I thought like UConn did that so perfectly last year. I even remember their their loss in the Big East tournament and it was like, yeah, it was a deflating game, I'm sure. But the how they responded to that and, and the tear that they went on after that was just like, those are the hallmarks of really good teams. I think the days of like, I don't, you know, I, I'm probably pinning myself into a stupid corner by saying this, but like the days of, of seeing undefeated teams in college basketball, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. No, no. So it's like... You just you have to you have to get better from losses, and UConn did that last year. When you're talking about the the Xavier roster, and I know you mentioned some of the matchups that that you had your eye on for UConn fans who maybe haven't watched a ton of Xavier. Who, who are a couple of the guys you know that is, is Dan Hurley and his staff are working on the the scouting report for this game that they're kind of circling in on? Yeah, well, I mentioned Xavier doesn't have a lot of shooting. Um, you can you can look at the numbers; the numbers bear that out, but. The one guy on their roster who can shoot it at a high level, who can go off, um, he's had, you know, a 34-point game this year. He had is Quincy Oliveri, the transfer from Rice. He's actually um, Rice's all-time leading three-point shooter, gets to the foul line a ton, is a really good free-throw shooter. He's like the one guy where it's like if, if you let him get going and get hot, he can change a game. Um, he did it against Cincinnati. He was a big reason why they won the Crosstown shootout this year. So I think from this point going forward, and it's probably already been the case, but he's going to be the top guy on every opponent scouting report going forward because it's like on a team that doesn't have a ton of shooting, he's the one guy that can really fill it up. So, And then beyond that, it's it's really Desmond Claude. Like Des is, is very different from Quincy offensively. Des is more of a driver, a slasher. He's really good at finishing around the rim. Um, so you're probably going to want to match up with him with, with someone who's a little bit more athletic, who can move their feet and keep a guy in front of them 
Um, Dez also has great length. He's six five. He's got long arms. He can finish through contact. But it, it, it's almost this this thing where it's like if you if you take away those two guys, it's going to be incredibly hard for Xavier to beat you. If one of them has a good night, Xavier will have a chance. If they both are on and they're both getting production, um, that's how Xavier wins games. Despite, you know, kind of some on and off success this year, Cintas Center still playing pretty tough this year. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, I think like for the most part, Xavier fans, they I think there there has in the last two decades very much been a mindset change in the Xavier community where they expect to be good. They expect to make the NCAA tournament. They're in their mind, they are bigger than a down year. Now, that's not true in the sense that like no one can escape having a down year. And I think like I was just talking to someone about this earlier, and it's like Xavier added Davion McKnight, their point guard in the transfer portal. They added their shooting guard, Quincy Oliveri, in the transfer portal. You get Des Claude back at the small forward position. He's taken a big leap this year just from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And then you think about what this team could have been with Jerome Hunter at the four and Zach Freeman at the five. They probably could have been a team that that was maybe not top three in the Big East, but probably a team that you're looking at competing to get into the NCAA tournament could give a lot of really good teams problems. Well, now you you sort of have to pivot after that. So I think a lot of Xavier fans understand that this that when that happened, this shifted a little something. bit more from yeah. yeah. I it's shifted to more of a rebuilding type year. But yeah. to their credit, they're still showing up, they're still coming to games. I think Cintas is still a great environment. And uh and it certainly willed Xavier to a couple wins. I think Seton Hall and Cincinnati in particular. And it's like I don't think there's there's ever going to be a situation where this team or its fan base give up and wave the white flag and say, you know what, this is just not our year. Um, so I think from that standpoint, like Cintas is going to be rocking on Wednesday night. Yeah, no, it's a, it's one I'm I'm certainly looking forward to uh, as as a fan here. So I'll, I'll get you out with this one here. Plug the uh, Sean Miller podcast where everyone can find it. Because I, I, I think even if you're not a Xavier fan, you're going to enjoy a lot of the content you guys have been putting out. Yeah, it's you know I think early on it's been it's been largely Xavier focused. I think we're we're going to hit a point in time where it shifts from so Xavier centric to more of just the college basketball. But it, if you like old stories, if you like hearing how you know a high level college basketball coach thinks and how he really leads a program, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But it's it's at Sean Miller Pod on YouTube, same handle on all the uh, the podcast platforms. And it's been really fun. I'm, I'm glad that this opportunity sort of fell into my lap and I, I could stay involved with the program and, and still be a part of the the sports journalistic community, if you will. Yeah, no, and it, and it worked out because you got to come back on this podcast. So if you got one thing exactly. out of it, I think that's what you should be taking away. So uh, I know. Yeah, I always enjoy talking to you, Jared. Awesome. Well, Adam, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, giving us the lowdown there on this year's Xavier team. Looking forward to Wednesday's game. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again in the uh, in the near future. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Anytime.